This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your weekly episode of Meanwhile in Memphis here on WYXR. Again, an exciting day. I'm always excited. You guys know this about me as a person, but Anna Mullins Ellis is not here with me today, but another Anna is. Who is it? Surprise. It is Anna Warman. How is everybody doing? We're just having a great Tuesday here in this office, but it really is a great day. It is great. We also have a very full show today. I'm so excited about our guests. They are incredible people. Two of those, everyone will know. And one of those is an up and coming, amazing. Yes, you you need need to. to. Yeah. Like, we're like in a general consensus. We're like, yes, amazing show. So, guys, we're going to hop right into it. We're going to do a little bit of a guest intro for you. So, today's guest are wonderful friends and graduates of New Memphis and represent some incredible work going on in the 901. First up, we have Kevin Woods, who is the VP Memphis Market President for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. And joining him will also be Paul Young, who is the President and CEO of the Downtown Memphis Commission, um, and who has also been on the show before. So you may, if you're a longtime listener, have heard of him. But uh, they're coming in the studio today to talk about the 100 North Main Project and what they have in store and its impact for the downtown landscape. If you're listening and you're like, I don't know what that is, that's why this show is for you to keep listening. Um, and a little later, we will be joined by a new friend that we met today named Allie Manning. She is a food scientist, food consultant. She's the founder of Umami Food Consulting. She's all the things. Like truly project manager for Project Green Fork, which is an offshoot program of Clean Memphis. And she just added author to the list, Adub. I'm so excited, and it's Can I Play With My Food, which is a question I ask 700 times <laughs> every day it's as a child. It's the story of can I or will I? The answer is probably yes. Um, but guys, again, jam-packed episode. We would love to chit-chat with you normally, but we really got to dive into it because we want you to soak up every last minute of goodness we have today. So I think we should roll into it, Ada. Let's do it. Let's go. Memphis, we are here in studio with Kevin Woods and Paul Young. This is where I would hit my lovely applause button if I had one. I'm still taking donations for me to get that, by the way. Um, but thank you guys so much for coming out this morning. Thank you for having us. Excited to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, so there's two of you in studio today, obviously. So I would love if you both just took a second to introduce yourselves and give us a little backstory about who you are. All right, I'll go first. My name is Paul Young. I serve as the president of Downtown Memphis Commission, born and raised Memphian, excited to be a part of all of the great stuff that's happening in the city. Uh, Kevin Woods, uh, my day job, <laughs> market president for Blue Cross uh, Blue Shield, a proud uh, board members for New Memphis Institute, uh, and recently uh, uh, adding uh, 100 North Main developer uh, to the resume and super excited to talk about that today as well. You guys, I'm very impressed with the like brevity you just used because you both <laughs> do so much and I know you do. So for you guys just to sum up your like little bio in two sentences, I am impressed. So well, I, know, I, I, was I forgot say, to say nobody needs an introduction I'm a board here. member too. Oh, so yeah. I am a board we love New Memphis board members. Yes. So we're not going to waste any time. I, I, would, I would blame the listeners for why I'm going to instantly dive into 100 North Main, but it's mostly me. I'm very curious. Um, so let's get into it. Let's level set for everyone listening. What is the 100 North Main project? So I'll kick it off. Uh, so 100 North Main, 37-story tower that's located at the corner of Main and Adams. Uh, it's been vacant for about seven years. At one point, it was a crown jewel for downtown. Uh, a lot of commerce took place in that building. 
A lot of people remember going to lunches in the in the cafeteria that was downstairs, or remember going to Sam's and grabbing a hamburger uh, back in the day. Uh, actually, you could go to Sam's not so far back in the day. Oh, wow. It was uh, as recent as 2014. But after 2014, the building went dark, and so it had been sitting vacant, uh, been the subject of lawsuits and different developers and owners that have had the building and had plans, but for whatever reason were never able to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, in 2021, the city of Memphis and downtown Memphis Commission came together and they said enough is enough and they acquired the building. Uh, so they've paid $10 million to get the building in the hands of uh, the public so that we could find a better user, uh, a better developer, uh, someone that was willing to put some capital to work to revitalize that jewel. Uh, we knew that Obviously, you could tear down the building and it would be a, a prime development site, but it's highly unlikely that you would get somebody to come back and build a 37-story tower uh, just given market conditions. So we thought the best approach would be to put it out there and see what developers would come and bring their vision to the site. And we were excited to see that we had 11 responses, went yeah. through a pretty extensive interview process, and we were uh, super elated to have uh, Kevin Woods and his team and the partnership come together, uh, local folks uh, that are going to be involved with revitalizing that building. So what made the proposal that Kevin and his team brought to y'all um, the one that kind of that stepped forward and, and it was a unanimous vote, right? So what yeah. made it the one that like made the it golden through? golden ticket. Yeah, yeah I want to hear this too, Paul. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say that it was a very, very competitive process and it yeah. was a difficult decision. We had 11 great teams from all over the country. Uh, and we narrowed the pool down to six and we did another set of interviews and Uh, It was clear to us that this team had a very strong vision for the site. Uh, They are very passionate Memphians, uh, and so that was an additional plus because we know that uh, if you're local, you you have reputational risk at stake uh, as well as uh, the capital uh, that you're going to have to raise. Um, And so that, that was really important. They also had strong commitment to minority participation. So that was one of the biggest caveats of our evaluation process Mm -hmm. is making sure that uh, minority participation was real. Uh, And they demonstrated that up front uh, by having Kevin Woods, who's very capable and done a lot of a lot of work across the city. But this is a large project. And so Kevin uh, is leading a team of um, well-respected developers. Uh, and so to him at the being at the front of this project yeah. was just a, a strong demonstration of that commitment. And so, you know, they just they put their best foot forth and they really, really won this thing. I mean, I, you know, I think that says a lot about the city of Memphis generally. Right. Um, there's no better cheerleaders than those who are from here um, and, you know, those that live and love this city. Um, so I'm really happy personally to see this fall into the hands of those who are here. And, you know, Kevin, you, you know, you mentioned like there's a lot of, uh, you know, when you're from here and you put your your uh, your foot forward, um, there's a lot to lose, right, in that relationship right, capacity. Right. So what made you kind of step into this new venture? I know you're never well, scared of anything. So. Well, you know, uh, as Paul indicated, I've had the, the pleasure to work on a number of projects here quietly. Uh, the Tennessee Brewery was, uh, was one of the uh, projects we were most excited about where you had a building that, uh, was uh, similar from the standpoint of uh, likely to be torn down, and we had a chance to uh, reimagine that building and uh, bring a team together uh, to, uh, you know, to to uh, reactivate that block 
And um, as I look out my office window every morning and, and see 100 North Main, um, I knew that there was an opportunity to to pull a team together yeah. uh, that had both local credibility but also uh, have, had taken projects and gotten them completed before. So I was really glad to be able to sit here today with Paul to for him to share uh, the behind the scene, what went into it from DMC standpoint, which is, in my opinion, the real leadership uh, that and with the city of Memphis, uh, DMC coming together to say, you know, what can we do uh, to 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 make this uh, an amazing opportunity for the city of Memphis? And again, as Paul indicated, it was a very competitive process, but we knew all along that we had already uh, replicated uh, time and time again uh, a local teams with uh, minority participations uh, and 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 made amazing things happen in the city uh, we knew this was be a, this would be an amazing lift but also an amazing opportunity if we were to be successful so we went in day one thinking that we had a strong shot uh, as paul indicated there were um, lots of capable individuals that uh, that they could have awarded this to and it still would have been uh, we still would have been just as excited uh, for the city of memphis uh, but again uh, we um haven't stopped rolling up our sleeves and and having mr beat we'll be meeting uh, later today uh, to uh, to continue uh, uh, discussing what's next for that amazing space. So we're excited about it. Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, the Tennessee Brewery. I remember um, when all of that got started, and, and Billy Orgel was also a partner on that as well, right? So yep. um, I read a quote that said that um, from uh, Billy that said that he gets weak in the knees about things that need attention. Um, and I personally love that because um, adaptive reuse is just so important to me. I think that that's part of like the heart and soul of what um, we as Memphians and um, you know in in this this industry uh, is is special, right? We see buildings that need um, need help, and, and we see um, the light of what it needs to be. Well, I was standing next to Billy. We had just been awarded um, One Hundred sure. North Main when uh, when the media showed up. Uh, at Paul's office and asked a question. I, I thought that was going to be cut from uh, the, the transcript, uh, weak in the knees, cause I, but I, I was surprised to see uh, the, the uh, uh, amount of attention that quote uh, got. But uh, I thought it was uh, it was fitting uh, at the yeah. time because, again, it's what we've done, which is yeah. taking old assets and, and bringing bring them back to life. So we're excited to do this project with Billy and, and, and a host of others that are sure. that are ready to work. Awesome. So we've talked a little bit now. The audience is brought up to speed about what this project is. I want to hear about the impact. What is the impact in creating a downtown for everyone, socially, economically? Where is this going to help us? Yeah, so so I'll start. Um, I think it helps us in a number of ways. I want to pick up on that last point around adaptive reuse because oftentimes we compare ourselves to our sister city uh, to the east, Nashville, which you know I was there this past weekend. They're doing some amazing things. You see you know, buildings popping up out of the ground like weeds. But one of the things that we are doing in Memphis, which I'm really proud of, is the adaptive reuse. And the ability to reuse those buildings means that you don't see as many cranes, but it doesn't mean that development is not taking place. Right. And so when we're able to preserve those assets, it gives us a sense of character and a flavor that's hard to replicate. Um, and new buildings are great, so so yeah. we want those too. But we also want to preserve we want these. The we want to preserve these assets. And so when we talk about creating a downtown for everyone, um, it's inclusive with you know the events that we put on and the activities that we have in downtown, the businesses that we recruit to downtown, and what 
what amenities they offer, yeah. um, but it's also should be present in our development. Um, and, and that was one of the reasons we were really high on the minority participation piece. Uh, you know, we have a city that's 65% African American, and if our city is ever going to thrive and grow, we must build black wealth. Yes. And so projects like this, where you have a $250 million project, yes. you know, when you can have significant minority participation, we know that that money uh, begins to trickle throughout the black community. And so we want to see that happen on more and more projects, and we think downtown can be a leader in that. And from what I understand, Kevin, you're leading the charge in that and really going above and beyond in um, the percentage of uh, minority-owned businesses as part of this project. Is that a correct? That's a correct statement. It was a perfect marriage. While while we've out ha- while we've had the blueprint and bringing minorities, both uh, from a development standpoint uh, as well as equity partners. Uh, you know, Paul and DMC made it clear that 25% was the floor, it wasn't the ceiling. And I could, every time we, we had a chance to submit an updated proposal, I could still hear him saying that uh, in my ears that, that this is, uh, that it was clear that it was an expectation of us. But it was one that we were more than prepared to step up to the plate on uh, from uh, uh, engineers to architects uh, to investors. Yeah. Uh, it, it was clear that. Uh, our team needed to look as close to the city uh, as possible uh, and, uh, and and hopefully be able to replicate this uh, time and time again, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that we knew that that was a, a huge differentiator for us as a team, yeah. that we didn't have to win the bid and then go and find uh, the partners, uh, that it was an opportunity for us to showcase uh, those who've been with us in past projects and then for us to be able to expand the tent as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think you two are a great example of a lot you're a great representation of new memphis's work obviously not to do a shameless plug (laughs) but you also you truly are the prime example of how transforming memphis through the power of connection is an insane reality for us Um, because kevin you lead your own work outside of this and you're a great leader what made you you're like just one day you're like i'm gonna take this on too i'm just gonna you know um you, you said shameless plug with new memphis but you know i'm thinking back to being um a class shout out to uh, a thirteen yeah. uh, class uh, and been in class as a recently appointed school board member. Uh, just having a chance to know that when people come together and and that there were so many people rooting for Memphis. And I, since then, I've you know basically worked and played downtown. And I mentioned earlier about my office. Uh, many of us that if you're downtown in Hundred North Main, it's probably a viewpoint for many of us working and playing downtown. But it was one of those things where. I knew that if we had the opportunity, it wasn't the first project that uh, we had bidden on. Uh, we haven't always um, had the opportunity to for somebody like Paul and the city of Memphis to say yes to us. Uh, but uh, we knew that if we had the opportunity, that it would be one that the community would be excited about. And so we're, we're, we've taken the opportunity very seriously that knowing that it is an opportunity through yeah. connections, through relationships, uh, but Paul said earlier, it's one in which you also have to have a proven track record as well. It's, it wasn't one that uh, I know the DMC has taken lightly. Uh, we knew that, again, we've been told no before, uh, but we knew that um, if we put together the right plan, the right team, uh, and through demonstration, uh, that we could have have a chance to, uh, to do something really great for Memphis, and I think that's where we are today. Yeah, it's extremely exciting. 
Paul, you've been on the show before. I'm very curious. Your first time here, you had kind of just taken on the new yeah. role at the DMC. How's that? I mean, obviously, this amazing project is on the horizon. Like, how's it? Give us a little update. It's been about great. You. It's yeah. been a, it's been a whirlwind. There's so much <laughs> stuff happening in downtown. You know, we've, we've we're coming out of COVID. Hopefully, um, you know, it comes Figures in waves out. and stuff. <laughs> but uh, I, I think at a minimum, we're figuring out how to coexist with COVID, mm-hmm. and so. You know, working with the businesses downtown on that front, big projects like like this one, um, things like, uh, you know, the walk still coming downtown. You got one bill still coming downtown. And then there's all of these smaller projects that don't get as much attention or fanfare but have a significant impact. I'm really excited about our Open on Main program. Um, we have River City Record. Open on Main is a program where we actually – cover the the lease payments for a burgeoning business for a period of time because we want their activation and activity Mm -hmm. in downtown. Uh, River City Records is one of them uh, on Main Street. uh, Feast and Grays just Mm -hmm. opened up uh, on Main Street. Really excited about seeing what Christina McCarter is doing. She's an amazing person. She really is. Um, Asset to our city. So there's just so many things that are happening downtown and looking forward to an exciting spring and summer and you know, just keeping people active and coming out. And downtown is our living room. It's the living room for the whole oh, region. I and like so, that. Yeah, it's the it's the gathering place. And, and everybody, that's, that's what makes downtown unique because everybody feels like downtown is their neighborhood. Whether you live downtown or not, yeah. it's, it's a space for everyone, and we want to keep that vibrancy going. You know, my husband and I um, had to uh, – had to had to get a hotel room down here due to the recent um, ice storm that we had, and uh, we were really excited about that opportunity to kind of be tourists around yeah. the city. Um, so it was really the first time uh, because we we had a child during COVID, and you know it's been a little bit more difficult to yeah. get out and do those kinds of things. Um, but it was our first time to really um, get Charlie out and experiencing downtown and. Um, you know, we just walked up and down Main Street and visited these local businesses because they were open. And it's just, it gives you so much energy and um, just a new sense of, of excitement about your city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I, I love it. I, I love what you just said about yeah. the living room because it does feel like a gathering place that it you is. just feel comfort in yeah right? yeah we want we want everybody to walk away with the yeah. same type of experience and you're not the first person i've heard say that uh due to their experiences with the storm when the power went out for for so many people uh, many of them came and stayed downtown and it it brought um you know new eyes Absolutely. to you know you're experiencing the place in a in a different way Absolutely. Uh, it's different when you park down for a grizzlies game and you just walk to the game and go go back to your car but when you actually get to walk up and experience down main it. street and experience the businesses meet some of the the shop owners you really realize how special downtown is yeah, yeah. i think I, I think paul also it speaks to uh, the human capital of the city as well yeah. uh just the high level of customer service that I received when I when I checked into my downtown hotel as well, mm-hmm. uh, I was just excited to, for the energy. Even even during the ice storm, uh, it was it was an amazing opportunity to just see people again coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone, uh, much like being uh, at a Grizzlies game where you're coming together for a common reason, uh, I felt similarly, strangely, uh, even during the ice storm, that everyone was there. You know, understanding that you know we were in this thing together, but I just I was just amazed at how uh, we don't speak about that enough. How mm-hmm. the the high level of service that 
uh, the people that are putting in the work, uh, you know, throughout Memphis, particularly downtown. Uh, and again, I think about just going into the office every day at Blue Cross. Um, you know, we're you know we're downtown too, and uh, you know the work that Paul is doing um, to make this a more vibrant place for people to live, work, and play. Uh, I think speaks to the grit of the city. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, 100 North Main is just a small piece uh, of, 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 a, of a bigger thing that's happening in Memphis. Yeah, I mean, the grit of the city and the grit of those in these leadership roles, right? right? Yeah. You know, we, we talked about the connectivity um, of, of meeting individuals and, and us loving um, loving what we do and loving the city and doing the best uh, that we can for it. And um, I see that on a daily basis. And, yeah. and especially in our program yeah. alum, right? Like, y'all, it's it's... Um, it's so exciting and, and energizing to see that love and that support really um, yeah. transition throughout. Yeah, the city is nothing without its people. It's like the one right. thing I always like to say, of like, what is Memphis without the people that are here? Um, the people that run our stores and run our organizations and businesses to leaders like you guys. So I have to ask, while I have two amazing leaders like you in the room, you are both New Memphis fellows. Mm-hmm. You are both New Memphis board members. Kevin, you will soon be an LDI grad. That's right. Um, so... <laughs> Again, you lead, both lead very different, but very crucial work in our community. So I really want to ask you guys why you believe investing in your leadership journey is so important. Yeah, well, Kevin, I'll let you start. All right, sure, sure. <laughs> that, that's, He's like, I'm going to do you a favor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really what uh, makes us a better city when you um, can invest in your talent. Um, it's, it's, what, it's why I'm here today. I think about you know the humble beginnings I've had, um, and someone has poured into me um, time and time again. And when you can uh, support programs like New Memphis, uh, you build new relationships. Yeah. I think what we often find out is that uh, you know people have great ideas, uh, want to do good work. Too often we're just not in the same room together right. uh, to uh, to help realize those dreams. Right. Um, if People like myself, uh, Billy Orgel, hadn't have decided that we want to give back to public education or make a difference in our cities. You know, we would have never sat beside one another on the school board and then talk about what else was possible uh, outside of that work. Uh, so I've been very fortunate uh, to uh, to have people pour into me. And so it's why I support uh, New Memphis as an individual, but also uh, as our company. Blue Cross is a big supporter of the work uh, because we believe that if you can uh, uh, build the human capital uh, in a city, uh, then you uh, have a, a more vibrant community uh, that can that can grow and give back. And so uh, it's, it's why I support the work. Uh, and quite honestly, I have a good time doing it. I, I meet <laughs> I a, I meet a, I meet a lot of great people, uh, and and you feel feel good about the, the work that's happening. And so uh, uh, it's refreshing. Yeah. Makes it feel a little less like work. Yeah, yeah. I, I co-sign everything that that Kevin just said, and I would just say, you know. It's important to invest in the leadership journey. I think a lot of times, uh, or I'll just speak for myself, when I got into um, th- what I, I entered leadership academy class, yes. actually, it was before <laughs> the name change, uh, A09. When I got into the program, I was just looking for relationships. And what I found was that I was being enriched mm-hmm. through the experience. I built the relationships and made some, some lifelong friends uh, through the program. But I think when you when you get in a room and you realize that there are so many people that are looking at pushing Memphis forward, it gives you a whole different energy. 
Um, and, you know, this is a special leadership program that is focused on pushing, promoting Memphis. But I, I think you should certainly experience this with other forms of leadership training. All of those things just help push you to the next level um, and investing in your journey. And you may go in it for one thing, like I came in looking for relationships and what I came out with was perspective. Um, I, I made relationships, but I also gained such great insight and perspective on the city and what it takes to push Memphis forward. And then you feel encouraged by the fact that you have so many like-minded people alongside of you. So I, I encourage uh, as many people as possible to take this program and other forms of leadership training uh, to continue to invest in themselves. I mean, you really need to fill your cup, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm getting from both of y'all is you have to fill your cup with both, um, you know, investing in yourself and investing in the community because, like Christy said, a city is only as good as its people. Right. And its people are only as good as what they can, you know, give to themselves and, and make of themselves. So if you're not investing in yourself, if you're not investing um, in being the best that you can be, then, you know, the city will – um, won't get the best that it can be either. Right. Um, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I yeah. feel like leadership is one of those things that when we talk about it, it oftentimes seems like this unreachable peak right. that you can't get to. Yeah. And what I love about getting to work with New Memphis and like kind of how we're shifting that narrative is like, no, leadership is for everyone. Right. It's about leading from every chair. Like you guys just spoke to examples of how sitting next to a random person in a room one day changed kind of the trajectory of where your life went right. yes. in your next step. Yes. I like not to like co-opt the word weak in the knees, but that really <laughs> like gives me chill bumps to think about how something so simple can change for big, big ways. Well, there's a, you know, there's another quote about leadership. Um, and I don't know the exact, the exact words, but you know, it's lonely, right? right. Everyone talks about leadership and, and leading um, being lonely. But I think that, what we've talked about today is that it's not lonely. Like you have an opportunity to create these relationships right. and build others up through that. Right. Like Kevin, you're taking these amazing leaders, these amazing individuals that, you know, from all walks of life um, and, and helping them, you know, join you on this journey and supporting, yeah. you know, the city um, in, in the work that Paul and your team is doing. Right. And, and saying like, Hey, we see that this is an opportunity um that could go both ways. It, yeah. could, it could be torn down and, and we could start fresh or, or we could kind of um, see what, what the individual is here. Yeah, so. I think we all have an opportunity to lead from the seats in which we sit, regardless of what your role is. Uh, you have an opportunity to be a leader. Uh, oftentimes when you, when you speak up, people want to hear what you have to say. They want to hear your thoughts. And uh, I think when I was coming up, I – I always perceived leadership as being this this insurmountable goal. Like mm -hmm. it, it's going to take me X amount of years to get to the point where I can lead like this person leads. But what I realized is that whatever role you're in, you have an opportunity to be a leader. Uh, and if you if you take that that first step, then people will begin to view you in that manner uh, when you carry yourself as a leader. Absolutely. I have a colleague at Blue Cross that that. that um, she made a statement to me. I was really impressed by it, and I often try to repeat it, which is, you know, leadership is often about uh, being in seats that are that are a little too big for you at times. It's about it's about yeah. sitting in places where uh, people, you know, should should say, well, you know, are they up to it? 
and mm-hmm. and and meeting that challenge and for for her to make that statement and for me to watch her time and time again uh knock it out the park it's 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 sometimes it's about having having the right opportunity to be in a space to make a difference and uh, i think the work that paul is doing in downtown memphis uh although challenging uh is where you wake up every day saying how can i make a difference uh and i think you know the team with 100 North Main and others. Every day it's about how do we come together and do something better for Memphis. Uh, and no matter how big the task, uh, leadership is about just stepping in the arena. Agree. Yep. Oh, that was so good. As like a younger mid-level leader over here, that is a great way to put yes. it into perspective yeah, yeah. because it does feel like, oh, I am sitting in a chair that is not made for my body. <laughs> I wish I could take credit for it, but when she said <laughs> it, I was like, yeah, that's, that, that's that's yeah, that's spot that's on. I like that. That's awesome. So it's on that note. I know I've asked you this before, Paul, so you don't have to answer again if you don't want, but for younger leaders coming up that are learning from the amazing past guys like you were leading, what is your advice to them? I would say what what Kevin just said is, is one big thing, uh, like step up to the plate yeah. even if it feels like it's too big out for you. Uh, out of your comfort zone. I would say uh, diversify your experience. That doesn't mean you have to leave your jobs. That yeah. means that if your job is X, ask to do Y. Um, so you can you can expose yourself to different aspects of the place in which you work and different mm-hmm. um, different practices because I think that's where you start to get that push. You want to always stretch yourself a little bit beyond where you're getting comfortable. If you feel like somebody told me this uh, before, they said if you've achieved everything you wanted to achieve in your job, then you wasn't working hard enough. (laughs) So so always keep that in mind. You should always have greater ambitions than what you're able to achieve. Now, that doesn't mean you just load yourself up with things that you know you can't do, (laughs) but but that means you push yourself uh, to the point where you're actually getting getting more out of the the job than than what you expected to when you initially take took it. Yeah, it's 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 hard to come after that, but 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 ditto. It's 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 really about just uh, raising your hand and and asking for opportunities. Um, you know, New Memphis uh, has given uh, so many young people uh, the chance to uh, to get started, uh, where you have opportunities to say, you know, you're interested in, in learning about the city and and uh, finding pathways to give back and also growing yourself during that during that same time period. Uh, so you look for ways to um, to just find opportunities, and and people often say it about Memphis that that it's a city that's inviting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there is no shortage of doors that will open for you if you say I just want to help. Uh, and it's amazing the amount of leadership qualities that you gain uh, just by giving back in this community. Uh, and it's and it's definitely ha- have have paid dividends for me, uh, both personally and professionally. Yeah, I was talking to Paul before y'all guys got here and about how I moved here after college and my mom was like are you sure you don't want to just go a little further to Nashville and I was like no like after I was here for a while Memphis has so much heart and I know I'm a goob and a nerd about Memphis but I've just never experienced another city like it so to hear you gentlemen kind of echo that sentiment is I think amazing so yeah yeah it's the it's the feeling I mean Memphis has something that can't be replicated that soul that spirit that energy that we have in memphis is just something that is so authentic and you know people when they come here they feel it Um, and that's something that i just think we should continue to lean into uh, because it's our asset that you know makes us special well and you know we're thankful for individuals like y'all that do lean into that with 
you know, the even keeping the buildings as they are and that adaptive yeah. reuse. So we've gotten a little heavy at the end, so I want to throw a couple All of right. like, right. so like it up. Lighten it up a little bit. Fun uh, <laughs> lightning round questions. So uh, what's the best view of the river? Oh, man. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say the Pyramid okay. uh, or Bass Pro Shops. Yeah. yeah. Got you. Well, 100 North Main. Of course. But I'll give credit to uh, Memphis River Parks. I had a chance to tour uh, the, the development that's happening there this past week, and uh, it's going to be an a, amazing space, uh, amazing addition for downtown Memphis. Love it. Cool. To, uh, yes. I okay. Agree. Favorite downtown restaurant or meal? Ooh. Trying to make it easier so you can choose either or. Uh, I love flight. Ooh, Flight's great. Nicely done. That's a good one. Uh, but uh, shameless plug. Uh, I love going to Central Station, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and supporting uh, Bishop as well. We had a great breakfast there during uh during the ice storm. So a second up. Um, hmm. Bill Street Flippers or the Peabody Duck March? Flippers. Okay. Flippers. Yeah. I, I figured y'all were both gonna go there. I agree. I like the ducks too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the ducks are adorable. The, ducks are, the, the, ducks, the ducks are great. Like, you, and they you marched you in the snow. Yeah. Like, they put in work for our city, okay? You can't force us to pick a side on I know, that. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. And so, final, since we were in the heart of downtown, what is your favorite thing to do in this part of Memphis? Uh, my favorite thing is to get on Explore Bike Share and Ooh. ride over the um, Harahan Bridge. I still okay. call it the Harahan um, the big river crossing yes. uh it's just a real cool cool activity have you gone over into arkansas yeah yeah okay. yeah we did it not He's too like long of ago. course i have like <laughs> my favorite is to go when the uh when the sunflowers are blooming i hadn't seen it at that time of it's, year. i'm still not brave enough to uh ride and explore bike share downtown i want to be that person who is like yeah i'm gonna hop on this scooter and then i'm like no i would be the person that falls in front of someone's car because i am not well, when Tom Lee is finished, you can you can <laughs> exactly. ride in the park be and sa- yeah. have those beautiful. My clumsiness will not be a detriment to me. <laughs> what about you, Kevin? Uh, best things to do downtown? Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do? Well, obviously, uh, uh, support our Memphis Tigers and our Memphis Grizzlies oh, at the yeah. FedEx Forum. Yes. yes. Uh, shout out to the guys from Slim and Huskies uh, who uh, have great pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, at at the forum also, uh, so then after that, I do like to get on the bike uh, to to burn to burn those calories. But yeah. So. <laughs> I love it. All right. So before you leave us, where can people stay up to date on the project, on things coming? Yeah. DowntownMemphis.com. We we will continue to post news. There's a lot of great information on DowntownMemphis.com. So please go there. Check us out. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. All of those. And maybe we'll get invited back here to give an update. Oh, you will. Because I have one final question. Oh. This is something we've newly implemented on our show is asking all of our guests this one question. What does it mean for you to be a Memphian? I would love to hear each of your answers. For me, uh, what it means to be a Memphian is, uh, is opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a city that has, has given me the chance to, to raise an amazing family, uh, to give back to an amazing community, uh, and then to also just to be able to do cool things like redevelop 100 North Main. Yeah, I, I love that uh, opportunity, and also I, I would just say purpose. I mean, I think Memphis is a very, um, very important city. Uh, it's a city where, you know, we have our, our flaws, but whenever you have a conversation with somebody in Memphis, it's just like you can just feel their 
their energy, and so it gives me a sense of purpose. Uh, you just want to, you want your life to mean something for somebody else's life, and I think that's reflected through a lot of Memphians. We're the city that uh, is proven to be the most philanthropic, uh, and there's a reason for that because right. purpose is just in our bones. That's just who we are, uh, and so that that's what it means to me. Love, opportunity, and purpose. I wholeheartedly retweet that because I feel like. Memphians acknowledge that our city has a lot of problems, but almost every person you talk to in circles is wanting to be a solution right. to the problem. So that was perfect. And we're going to let you guys go. But thank you so much for being here. And we would right. love Great to have to you back. Again. Thank it's been you a great for having opportunity. us. This was thank, fun. Thanks for having us. Bye. All right. Memphis 101 on March 10th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Memphis Museum of Science and History, which is formerly known as the Pink Palace. What is it? You can get the 411 on the 901 at Memphis 101. This event is brought to you by New Memphis and generously sponsored by Regional One Health. It is a high-energy course offering up an up-close view into Memphis, its people, and the historical impact this city has had in music, culture, politics, and more. Come dive in with us as we explore Memphis' history because to understand where we are going, we first have to know where we've been. You can learn more about the event and register for your absolutely free ticket at newmemphis.org events. Welcome, Allie. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am great. I am very excited to have you here today because you are a jack of all trades. Like you do <laughs> yes, so many yes. cool things and not only cool things, but cool things that impact Memphis. So I'm not even going to stop. I'm going to get right into the okay. meat. Like let's start with the big news first because okay. I can't wait till the end. Your book. Yes. It came out today. Can yes. I play with my food? talk to us about it. Absolutely. So Can I Play With My Food started as a passion project. I wanted to get back to all the artistic things that I loved to do as a child. Yeah. And so I began drawing. Oh. And in that, a story started to form and Can I Play With My Food began. And so it's an early reader picture book um, from the eyes of two sisters, Nima and Lexi, and they explore food and science. And so I'm excited to share this story with the world. Yeah. Um, this, I was inspired to um, create a story loose basically on my sister Alexis who yeah. has Down syndrome and I wanted to create an inclusive book where children that. who were not typically represented can see themselves. I love that. I love that. That's a great, like I'm sorry I'm a bit in awe. I'm like I forget I'm on a radio show right now. I just took a pause. <laughs> um, so give us a little bit more like so why should parents who are listening to this and hearing this amazing story you've written invest in this book for their early readers? Absolutely. You know, as a food scientist, I think it's important to even understand the food system. You know, sometimes little kids don't even know where the food comes yeah. from. And Some adults don't know where the oh, food yeah, comes from. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true, too. So this is not only informational, yeah. um, but it's, a, it's a, a beautiful story about acceptance as well. And so I think that's where we are in our nation anyway. But um, accepting, accepting people's differences, and this is really what this book is all about, in addition to all the fun and mm -hmm. the food and the science, too. I 
love it. I love it so much. How does it feel to have written a book, right? Did you mm-hmm. ever imagine yourself in this in this space? Did you? It was was this ever a dream of yours? No, this was not. <laughs> I I'm telling you, you know, I think in my quest to find the things that I love to do and things that brought me joy, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes as adults we forget that when we're yeah. working nine to fives and we're in corporate spaces, but I was set free from my job. And so in that being in that moment of being set free, I was also discovering what I loved and remembering what I loved to do That's as so a child. Yeah. And so I always encourage people to do that because that always sparks some creativity. Yeah. But no, I never saw myself as an author. I didn't even know this was possible. Right. <laughs> and so it's, um, it's exciting learning all the behind the scenes of how to publish, how to market your book. Right. Who is your audience? Metadata. It's, yes. It, there's a lot that goes into it. And now... I'll be in six stores in Memphis. (laughs) That is amazing. And you've already done some readings at Novel, right? So I did uh, an event with Memphis Moms Collective, but the official book signing is on March 5th. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Guys, you hear it. Mark your calendar. Go pick up the book. Two o'clock. I love that it's available in local Memphis stores. That's That's right outstanding Thank because you. that was going to be my question it's like you read my mind mm-hmm. um so we've touched on the book a little bit but you do like i said at the beginning an array of work and one part of that is being a food scientist and consultant um so you have over a decade-long history i know you've worked with international brands and kind of used mm-hmm. to um, create innovative and new food items for consumers but i know you're here in memphis doing very important work but first for the people that are listening that may not know what, what is a food scientist? Yeah, so a food scientist is essentially, we're little, uh, I call it us Keebler elves sometimes oh, because no one knows that we <laughs> exist, but we create all these fun things. Um, but we apply a lot of the scientific disciplines to food. So we work in different capacities from innovation, like new products, mm-hmm. like flaming Hot Popcorn, okay, to agriculture and product development, culinary. So... Our, our work really spans across a, a large range within the food industry. Yeah. And so I worked in um, fats and oils, so um, anything that you fry with and anything that you bake with. Okay. And so I would tell people, I play with food for a living. That was my layman's That's so term. Fun. And so the book just seemed to fit. I the love title that. The seemed to yeah. fit. Can I play with my food? I love it. How do you get interested? Like, how does that even become a line of work you get mm-hmm. interested in and get into? Yeah, so... You know, my my story is interesting. I was going the pre-med route. Okay. Um, but decided I didn't want to be in med school for 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I sat in on a lecture um, and a, a food science uh, dean. And at the end of his lecture, he said, you'll always have a job because people have always got to eat. Mm-hmm. And a light bulb went off in me and my sophomore year changed my major to food science and technology. And lo and behold, I got a job in my field right out of school. Three weeks later, I moved to Memphis. Wow. And so there, you know, I think exposing children to the art of food science, the the discipline of food science through my program, Food Science for mm-hmm. Kids, has also sparked interest in, in, in the in the discipline and, and career path. Yeah, you know, you, you talked earlier about um, accessibility and opening, you know, the doors. You're not just opening the doors to um, individuals like your sister. You're also opening doors to this um, this industry, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I love that. I think that's so, so special and, and such a, a beautiful story of, of two sides kind of coming together yes. and, and showcasing to children that 
there's so much more to life than what's just in front of you. Absolutely, absolutely. STEM is not just science, technology, engineering, math, but it's also food science. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't think about that. And so there's a lot that goes into it, and I I really enjoy it as a profession. You really spoke to that earlier. I know I made a joke about most adults don't even know, Mm -hmm. but it's true. Like, it's sometimes just not a question. This is sometimes a question that people have to think of a lot. Mm-hmm. And then on the opposite side of that, it's a f- question that some people don't think about at all. So I think it's very interesting how you've dedicated your life to this really unique line of work that mm-hmm. has such a big importance for everyone. Absolutely. I, absolutely. I, I just went where I was led, yeah. and that's how it's all worked out for me. Well, as someone who started out pre-vet and then went to art school, <laughs> I feel you. Um, so let's, it kind of leads me up into, so you've written this amazing book. You are now leading your current work with Clean Memphis, and you are the program manager for Project Green Fork, correct? I am, I am. Awesome. So can you talk to us a little bit about what, what Project Green Fork is? Yes, yeah, so Project Green Fork started in 2008 um, as an initiative to help food entrepreneurs in the city get on board with sustainability Mm -hmm. and so we help um, food businesses throughout our city with composting you know uh, recycling using compostable products so there are six 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 steps to membership that we implement and help provide resources for so there's about 50 members now so 50 restaurants Mm -hmm. from city silo to muddy's Mm -hmm. Um, Dory now Mm -hmm. and Good Fortune Co. And so there are so many types of restaurants and we want to diversify that group too and provide the resources. So it's a small membership fee for what you get, but you get marketing services and we do stories. So it's a it's it's really great work and impactful yeah. work. You know, oh sorry. Well, I was gonna say, and, and as a consumer of these goods and places, you know, really seeing that Project Green Fork mm-hmm. um, brand and logo, you know, it really kind of sets the bar, and you know that this is mm-hmm. an organization and you know a place of business that um, cares That's a right. lot, yeah. right? That's right. And and will go out of their way. Um, to do what's best um, for you and, and for the, the greater city. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to touch on, is you guys really also make opportunities for the greater public to get involved, not just businesses. I know I attended mm-hmm. your sustainability event yes. last year that had Dory and Good Fortune and a couple of other restaurants in town. It was not only was it fun, <laughs> but I was shocked yeah. at what I came away learning from what I thought was just going to be like, oh, social event. I'm going to go learn a little bit about Clean Memphis and Project Green Fork. And mm-hmm. I left and was just blown right yes. away. Yes, there's so many resources and so much information um, that'll help consumers and restaurant owners make better decisions yes. for our planet, our city. Yeah. yeah. I know, so I, I know this is something people often get confused by, so I love having you here. Mm-hmm. Clean Memphis is a brand. Does Project Green Fork exist under that brand? Yes. Okay. S- yes, absolutely. So Clean Memphis has about three programs, yes. you know, and initiatives. So 901 Save the Food Project, you know, Memphis Food Waste Initiatives, Project Green Fork, and then we also have an education arm. Mm. And so we provide resources in all three spaces um, within our city. Yeah. That's great. So this is the reason I'm asking you all about this is because mm-hmm. I think it's important to let the people listening like, yes, you authored this book and yes, you're a food scientist, mm-hmm. but you have this vast wealth of knowledge that 
honestly, I feel like most people writing books often sometimes have like a little bit. You are coming to the table with oh, a lot. Thank you. So thank I just you. I'm like I, I'm like I know I'm not an early reader, but I'm like can I can I buy the book? Like, absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, what is this is something I always like to ask when we have leaders in the room, especially unique leaders like you that lead in a space I'm not super familiar with. What is your favorite part about going to work every day and what you get to do? Wow. You know, I, I set out to do meaningful work, and I am. I see the impact immediately um, when kids see seeds for the first time mm-hmm. or understand how butter is made mm-hmm. by hand. Um, that work is impactful. And then working with restaurant owners, I mean, even my own clients. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful thing being able to work, walk them through the process of scaling their business up or they have an aha moment that's um that, that helps them out operationally. Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of my work is, is instant gratification at times, and that's what helps me to keep going um, with everything that I'm doing. So that's, that's I, definitely. That was amazing, <laughs> first of all. I think it's, it's always something I like to ask because I think it's so influential to hear what drives people behind the work they do, especially when they're doing work like you're mm-hmm. doing, impacting the community in such a big way that sometimes people just aren't inherently aware of. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so my next question, mm-hmm. this is kind of a, it's like, where is Memphis really excelling in this area and hitting the mark? And then in turn also, where are we kind of just not, we're not there. We got to get better. Yeah. Well, I think Memphis is really excelling at even being interested in sustainability mm-hmm. efforts. I, I know that there's some resistance to change in many ways. We, we are tough to, <laughs> sure, tough to get over that hump, but you know, being willing to, okay, say, what is the cost associated with this? How can this affect my business, my clients, you know, my custo- the customers that come in, do they care? I care about the planet, so I'm going to implement, you know, composting in my systems. Um, I think that there are some things and rooms for room for improvement when it comes to um, recycling. That's yes. always an issue here. <laughs> You know, uh, we visited the MRF before, and I think there's some capabilities that aren't, you know, within the infrastructure mm-hmm. there. Um, and so, you know, with the history that Memphis has with the waste movement, you know, you would think that we would be a little bit further along here. So, um, but other than that, you know, the chefs are really innovative here. Always new restaurants popping up. You know, of course, staffing is always an issue, but sure. I think if customers can have a little bit more patience yeah, with a the chef, grace. give a little grace and just stay it'll all be worth it oh, that's so exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I don't think that we can leave this episode without asking you um, what do you think is your best or favorite farmer's market here in the city Ooh, so I consider myself a downtowner even okay. though we live in Midtown mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> I love 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 the Memphis Farmer's Market downtown. Um, that is my weekly shopping. I love mm-hmm. to support the local farmers. And then Cooper Young Farmer's Market yeah. is just outstanding. All year round, you are able to shop, shop from local artisans and farmers and see exactly where you're getting your food from. And so it's a great way to support and, and you know, put the money back into the community. Yeah, absolutely. Who's your favorite merchant there? Like when you when you see this person at the farmer's market yeah. or this good. You're like, I need that lettuce. Exactly. What is it? You know what? Mr. Richardson. Rich- okay. Richardson Farms. Okay. That's my go-to. I love it. You heard it here first. <laughs> Hard-hitting news. <laughs>
<laughs> like, but no, it's true. I, I always get, I feel like such a dork because there's just this experience about going to the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. It's, it truly is. It's not the same as going to the grocery store because one, you are giving and pouring back into your own community, most importantly. But two, it's just, it's almost like its own little community. Absolutely. And I just feel like they all kind of support each other. Like you have the mm-hmm. person over here who grows all of this lettuce. And then there's a person over here solely dedicated to mm-hmm. tomatoes. Or the flowers. Yes. I mean, my goodness. Like, Absolutely. From Witten. And so yeah, <laughs> it, it's so interesting that you say that because food waste is an issue here as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously food insecurity, but food waste. And so if we can minimize how much we're spending on food, Correct. if every storm... We have, we don't go out and get two freezer full, you know, uh, freezer fulls of food. Instead, kind of scale back these things um, and really purchase what you need. And so in the book, I also, the little girls ask, yeah. mm-hmm. Mom, where does food come from? And we talk about where food comes from, from the soil to the grocery store. And in one uh, page of the book, Nima is riding through the grocery store on a Pop-Tart magic carpet. Aww. And so it's just this play on imagination, but yeah. also reality. Yeah. And so I'm excited to really share this with the world. Oh, we're so excited. I can't wait. Happy release day. Again, Thank guys, you. the book was released today. It is available. What Can you give us a little insight into what stores in Memphis it's available in? Yes. So the six local stores. So we've got Novel, Burke's Books, Terracotta Nursery, Sweet Lala's Bakery, Cooper Young Gallery and Gifts, and am I missing the other one? Um, (laughs) I've got to have my list out, but, and then it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and a few other sites. We prefer you to buy locally in Memphis, support those local (laughs) people, and we will obviously share the list on social as well, just in case, so we can make sure we got everybody. But I just... One, I also want to caveat this because I have to say this. Guys, if you have never, all of our book, local bookstores are amazing. Yes. But there is something so magical about every time I walk into Burke's I books. I was just about to say They're it. typewriters. They're set up. It's like a little dream to me. So whenever I need like a hit of serotonin, yes. I just like bebop through Midtown. I'm like, I'm going to go in here and buy books I do not need. <laughs> um, but guys, pick up Allie's book. It's going to be an amazing adventure. I really want to pick it up because I still have things to learn. Again, my mind was blown. By them. And so before you leave, I have a few, two little last yeah. things. One, one more fun question. Mm-hmm. Since you work in this food industry, you work in it in a very different capacity than we experience it every day. Mm-hmm. If you had to plan a day of perfect meals in Memphis, oh. that can be breakfast, brunch, lunch, and dinner. What three restaurants are you hitting? Oh, my goodness. I know it's hard. Ooh. Three restaurants? Take a breath. <laughs> yeah, you got you got three meals. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, mm. wow. Or snacks. You bet I'm not going to yeah. put that much pressure on you. <laughs> well, you know what? I love Cafe Eclectic for breakfast. Yes. They've got three locations. City, City Silo is up there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but Biscuits and Jams just opened up as well out oh, in Bartlett. Oh, I have not had Black that. I've heard about that. Yes. Oh. So, okay, that was three. But That's still. okay. It's, we love an <laughs> option here at Nimbus. <laughs> and then lunch, I would say, oh, goodness. This is a tough one, it's you guys. So hard. You put me on the spot. I know. Um, every the time, hardest every thing you time I ask someone these kind of questions, I'm like, think. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what are my answers? I know. If I had to do it. I know. Um, I would. I would stick with. I love barbecue shop and soul fish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we stayed in Midtown for a while, so those were our go-tos. And yeah. then for dinner, I love Good Fortune Co. I'm a big fan of Asian cuisine. Yes. Um, and then you know what? Um, 
Catherine and Mary's is pretty good for dinner it's one too. One of my faves, yeah. I, if you're in the mood for pasta, so I'll just say with I'll stick with those for now. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about your answers is you kind of hit the various areas of town. You didn't just mm-hmm. say like all downtown restaurants, all midtown restaurants. You naturally like hit on the different areas, yes. and I think that's such a simple thing, and, but. I feel like it speaks very eloquently to Memphis Mm -hmm. and how throughout the city are just these little pockets of just such Mm -hmm. outstanding stuff. And restaurants, obviously, we are known here for our food. Mm -hmm. Um, But, guys, there's a lot that goes into the food outside of what just comes on your plate every day. And Allie's a big part of that work. Yeah, yeah, got to get out of your neighborhood for sure. And so we like to wrap up each interview with the same question. I know you're originally from Alabama, right? I am. But you've been in Memphis like over 11 years, I think now. Yes. Yeah, so you are a Memphian by choice I at am. this point. <laughs> what does being a Memphian mean to you? Oh, well, you know, Memphis has a way of sucking you in and yeah. making you love this city. It does. <laughs> it's, it's about the people and the community. It's amazing, too, as an entrepreneur, how many resources there are for entrepreneurs here in the city, from Epicenter mm-hmm. to... You guys, you know, it's just a lot of opportunity to grow if you really want to grow and to be highlighted in this way is a, is a privilege. So I thank you for that. And being a Memphian is about having that soul, having that grind, of course, um, but it's love for self and city. So I love that. Oh, That's beautiful. That was a good one. Okay. So, guys, go pick up Allie's book. Today. If people Today. want to keep up with you and, you know, just your journey in Memphis, I know you have a great social media that people can check out. You <laughs> work you. for a great org. How can they keep up with you and the work you lead? Yeah, so my website is Allie-Manning.com uh, or UmamiFCC.com. So U-M-A-M-I-F-C-C.com. Or they can follow me on social media Allie Glad underscore Carpe Diem. So love that's Allie Glad underscore Carpe Diem. I love it. Awesome. Well, guys, go follow along. Pick up the book. Support amazing individuals like Allie who are pouring back in resources to our city that are much needed, quite frankly. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Allie. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, guys, that is it for today's episode. And what did we tell you? There are people, I say it all the time, they are putting in the work to make this city great and magnetic. And I am in awe of every time I get to do this every Tuesday. You know, it it takes a village, right? And uh, I think that this is a perfect example of that, right? That uh, the the community, um, a city is only as good as its people. We've said it a million times. But, um, you know, it's really the community that, that makes it part of what it, Uh, what it can be and and this is an example of that oh gosh it's so good but to leave you today we're gonna hop into a few closing announcements you heard in the middle of today's episode about memphis 101 please come out and join us at the memphis museum of science and history on march 10th from 5 30 to 7 30 and we have something extra special happening this year adub Tell me a little bit about the LDI 25th. So this is an exciting year for our flagship program, the LDI, which is otherwise known as the Leadership Development Intensive. Um, you know, we are celebrating the program's impact um, of 25 years, and we're really continuing its legacy by offering more than a thousand alumni the opportunity to continue learning building connections and leading in Memphis in addition to our traditional three and a half day leadership development experience. But none of this is possible without the support of city leaders, city organizations that really just drive home, um, you know, 
what we can do and what there is, you know, um, individuals like Donovan Enterprises, Cargill Cotton, Data Facts, Baker Donaldson, Adams Keegan, LRK, MAA, Nexair, Pickering Firm, Waddell and Associates, Bow Woman Management, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's so many organizations that really understand the impact that this program can make. You know, Kevin um, and and uh, and Paul spoke to it earlier, mm-hmm. right? Investing in yourself, especially at that at that level when you're a little bit further in your career, um, it just makes all the difference in the world. I agree, and they both are prime examples of not only giving their personal support to New Memphis, but also the companies they work for. Kevin with Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, yes. and also Paul with the Downtown Memphis Commission, absolutely, are amazing partners that help fuel this work. So, guys. If you're listening and you work for a company, you're like, how do I get my company involved with New Memphis? How do I personally get involved with New Memphis? You know I have the answer for you. So we have sponsorship opportunities at the ready. You can email info at New Memphis for any of your needs. It's actually info at newmemphis.org. And if you want to look into events that are going on with New Memphis that you would like to attend to get a little taste of what we bring to the table, you can check us out at our regular site, newmemphis.org slash events. Um, and you heard it from Ada first. We have been in the leadership development game for over two decades now, which is insane and also means we know what we're doing. We do. So if you want to get involved on that side, on the leadership development side of things, we are open for recruitment all the time on a running cycle. So love please, to see yes, please visit our website. You can look at our social media at the New Memphis or you can shoot an email to the info inbox. Again, info at newmemphis.org and let us know you're interested in taking part and we can help you find the amazing, correct program experience for you. We cannot <laughs> wait to continue to transform Memphis through yes. you, right? Through you, through growing you, through the power of connection, through all of those things. Yes. Um, check us out. Yeah, guys, hop on board and we will see you next week. See you soon. Bye. <laughs> This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.